Let's Define Win, a podcast for everyday horse enthusiasts to laugh, commiserate, and learn that life is all about how you define wins. All right, folks. So we are back for week two, episode two, season one of uh, many is what I presume to have happen. But this episode is appropriately titled uh, whistling for myself. So like we touched on a little bit last week, but we are going to talk about what we've perceived to be like isolating feelings at horse shows, and then also kind of bring in some things that are not feeling related. So Maddie, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I can. So we really want to kind of start off with the topic of isolation in a horse show, right? Especially as a competitor. Um, I think that's something a lot of people, at least I know I can relate to, right? Um, And even going with a large group, I still feel, you know, kind of isolated. It's it's a very competitor and individual-based organization, competition type thing, right? You pay so much money to see yourself exceed that your best interests typically are for yourself. I know a lot of times I don't like to go to big shows without trainers because I get really psyched out. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I've experienced that a lot in my own kind of thing too. And I know I kind of touched on this last week maybe, but so my trainer, Julie, or who I guess I've purchased both, all three of my horses that I have shown now from, she's actually a full-time faculty member at a college here. So it's very rare that she gets to take off and go to a horse show. It's always really isolating to me to kind of show up and you're there essentially by yourself. Even if you are stalling with a bigger group, Like you said, it's so individually based. Everyone's kind of there, you know, there's only one winner is what we've talked about in the past. Right. And I think that brings up a good point, right? Even if you are with a show barn, it's really kind of that one-on-one mentality when you get into the arena. You can be the most seasoned competitor in the world and still have doubts and still just be unsure. You know, I I never know when to start getting ready at horse shows. And I've been going to horse shows, I feel like, for over half my life at this point. You know, I think it's so hard to be individual and kind of have those things you're having to handle on your own. You know, I can whistle for myself. I can be my own hype man. I can do all of these things. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to matter. You know, I handled the situation the best that I could with my resources in that moment. And maybe it worked out and you won and that's really cool. Or maybe you learned in the process. Those are all wins in themselves too. And those shouldn't be discredited just because you didn't win big that day. Right. And then like other places I know, like I've seen it as well in the warm-up arena, like, you know, that you're talking about you know, someone's warming up down there and they go to the side of the arena and they talk to their trainer, right? And the trainer's like, mm-hmm. you know, go ride it just like that. It's going to look great. You know, we've been practicing this all week. You've been practicing really hard. And that just like, I know that really gets in my head. And like, yeah. I know I've been practicing just as hard too, maybe even more, but you know, that doesn't matter. Even at an open show, you know, you might haul yourself. It can be seen there too, right? You know, you've got like three or four girls that, or guys that haul themselves in together and all tie alongside the trailer. And it's just you by yourself at the entry stand, you know, trying to get your stuff in, fend the flies off and all that on your own. You know, and also like stall curtains. I know that's a big one that really gets me just like walking down the aisle, you know, whether or not I'm by myself or with a trainer that, you know, maybe didn't bring stall curtains or isn't as well known as other trainers. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying the matching like stall bags and everything like 
like wow these people like if they if they can remember to bring their matching style bags and their matching you know blankets and everything these people must have their stuff together like that's how I look at that and I go man like that's really like I better watch out like I'm sure they've got their pattern and everything together and that that doesn't necessarily always translate right and yeah another place too that we've you know the whole point of this episode is you know whistling for the listeners who aren't aware a lot of times someone will do like a pattern at the end of your pattern people will whistle for you typically like your friends and your trainers other people from the barn you know friends that you've met along the way will all kind of whistle for you occasionally there's kind of like the grandma or like the mom or dad who are like whistling kind of that pretty whistle or clap and so typically when you get done with a pattern or you, you know you've done a good pattern when people start to whistle for you and you know your friends are whistling for you if you don't run a good pattern and people are still whistling for you but you know <laughs> if you don't have people there to whistle for you that's another thing that really gets in my head too you know you finish that pattern like maybe one of your best patterns ever and you're like dang I really knocked it out of the park here and there was no one to see it yeah my thing is like I don't know, I feel so cool when I either have a really good backup in the showmanship or a super clean pivot or whatever like I love it when people whistle or you know whatever and sometimes it's it is what it is. And it shouldn't be about the outside validation of the whistle, but nothing makes you feel better than when you're right. halfway through your pattern. And I don't know about you, but if something goes wrong in my pattern, I immediately shut down and just stop showing. And I'm like, well, whatever, we're done. You know, and that kind of happened at Congress last year. And my horse slid his foot when he was coming out of the pivot. And I remember thinking like, oh God, you know, we're, we're done. And someone in the crowd whistled. I have no idea who it was, but I was like, oh, right, we're still showing, you know? And so then that kind of popped me back. It could have been nonchalant. It could have been whatever. Maybe I would have kept, maybe I would have kept showing whatever, regardless if the whistle would or would not have happened. But I just think that's really cool. And I think you should whistle for other people. And I think you, I don't want to say like we all need to get over ourselves, but at the end of the day, why? Why are you out there? I think part of, you know, maybe what we're trying to get at here is like winning on the judges' cards is so subjective to who shows up that day, how the pattern goes, you know. Well, and it's relative to the class, too. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who will go in for the novice and just have a kick-ass pattern, and then they'll go into the amateur in, you know, not set their horse's foot up or, you know, not, you know, do something wrong. So I think if you, if you're also going into the novice and then into the amateur and you're thinking, oh my gosh, they just won, you know, clearly if you're already going into that mindset, they have beat you already. You know, you're not, okay, they beat me on the judge's card, but my horse was really solid in his backup. He was really solid in, you know, his trot off. You know, those are the things you need to be thinking of. Those are the wins you need to be defining before you're worried about what's happening on the judges card, in my opinion. I guess what we're really trying to hit home on here is like, it's completely normal, at least from our perspective, right? To feel isolated or, you know, kind of that you versus everyone else almost mentality. Maybe that's not the best way to put that, but isolated nonetheless at horse shows and that's just completely natural just based on the environment that horse shows at fostered and mm-hmm. you know it's okay to feel that way and I think it just really comes down to you know us defining you know our own personal wins obviously and just figuring out how we can overcome this as a whole but also you know being able to 
take that step forward as, you know, an individual, you know, overcome that whistling for others, you know, telling other people that they maybe that, you know, you had a really good ride out, you know, why, why can't we see more of that? Right. And maybe, maybe everyone else is just nice and it's us <laughs> that is just terrible human beings, but I don't, I don't know. I'd like to think that we're similar. No, I totally get that. Paint Congress was the last big show I went to. So it's like, I think that the thing I keep comparing things to, but I was coming out of one of my horsemanship patterns and there's this girl there that I, I noticed her last year at a couple of the big shows and I don't, I'm not like starstruck by her, but every time she's around, I find myself like watching and I'm like, oh my gosh, like she's super pretty. She rides really well. She's got these really nice horses. You know, like I'm just like, huh, whatever. But anyway, so I'm coming out of my horsemanship pattern. I'm like trotting out and she goes, oh my God, you had a really good run. Like that was a really nice ride. And that whole thing validated the whole trip for me. Just this random person probably doesn't even know my name saying, oh, you had a good ride. I was there stalling with the group. One of my best friends was there. My dad was there and, or my friend and my dad are saying, hey, you know, good run, you know, what? And that mattered and that meant a lot to me, but it was so cool having this random person like encouraging me, you know, like I think we need to see so much more of that. You know, I feel like people don't always see and understand, you know, what goes into get you to where you are now. Someone might be, you know, a five-time world champion or whatever, but like really at the end of the day, they're human. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe they just practice more, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever that differentiating, whatever that word is factor, like you just got to find yours, you know, that's fine too. I guess it all kind of comes down to, you know, where you're at, assessing where you're at and, you know, really where you want to see yourself be too. And, you know, so I'm not like a carded judge in any association at all, but I think if I were to hear someone whistle for themselves, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, go girl. You deserve that whistle. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's really cool when you see someone confident enough where they're at. Like to your point, right? Being confident enough to whistle for other people. I think whenever I see someone whistling for someone else, I'm like, dang, like not only do I really admire you now as a person. I appreciate the confidence that they have in themselves. They understand what they have done is going to be what they have done and what they can offer is what they can offer. And cheering on for someone else, you know, may help them actually better their score and beat them in a class. But, you know, they understand that they've put in the work and they earned the placing that they earned. I think being confident enough in where you're at, just no matter if that's where you want to be, if it's on a path on where you want to go, if it's a step down from where you want to be, whatever. I think being confident enough in that is really special. And being confident enough to whistle for other people is really, really cool. And I think we just need more of that. Yeah, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their horse has overcome or has not overcome. So I think it's really important to put your pride aside and cheer for other people even if they don't cheer for you, because maybe that'll inspire them to do it. Right. And if you're confident in yourself, then you can't be embarrassed either. And I think that's, um, <laughs> from my standpoint, that's pretty uh, important. I think that's very, very important. You know, someone comes up and they try to embarrass you and you're like, nah, nice try. Can't get to me. Good one. Are you like a finger whistler? I'm not like though. <laughs> I can't do that either. So now that we've concluded our touchy-feely portion for the day, 
you know, we were really strong on the, you know, doing whistling for myself, doing it myself. Angela, so I know we've talked about this before, and I've heard a little bit about it. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but um, <laughs> oh god, when you're not whistling for yourself, are you creating anything for yourself and your horse, maybe? Oh, yeah. So I recently, this year, built Toby his very own arena at my parents' house. I was coming off the Congress last year, had really good showmanship classes. Like, we had never done that. He learned how to do showmanship in, I swear, nine weeks, probably. Super great Congress. So I am here thinking I am the showmanship queen and thinking that I need to have an arena to practice my skills at. So I go on Facebook Marketplace and just buy a arena drag from some random gentleman out in the middle of nowhere for $100. And <laughs> so I am first going to mow it really tight just because it's all weeds and whatever. And it's kind of level, but there's just some random dips, but it's fine. I It's fine. So I mowed it really tight and then I just drug it with the uh, lawnmower in this heavy ass arena drag that is literally meant to go on a tractor but I've been pulling it with our lawnmower pretty sure the motor is going to be shot but let's not tell Michelle that how many drags Um, what was your dragging yeah so I drug it for probably an hour a day for eight to nine days straight and just like dust bowl uh, so drug it, drug it, drug it, got it down to bare dirt, and I should have stopped on day seven, probably, but I am a little bit obsessive, and I just kept going, going, going. So now I've got about six inches of dirt, so wrote on that a couple times, and then I decided that I needed some sand. Anyway, I order up 13 tons of sand, because that's what came oh. in the semi-load, <laughs> and they just dropped it in the middle. Literally, I am out there with a shovel, just shoveling. What what type of shovel were mm-hmm. you out there with? I was out there with the affectionately named shit shovel. It wasn't quite a spade. wasn't quite uh, the volume for snow. It was happily in the middle. And I... I think I put my back out. Like, I was just going to town, just shut, just throwing the sand every which way. Yeah, it turns out lawnmowers do not run very well on sand. So I would get to the corner and I would just get stuck. So my sister would have to come push me out. And to this day, I cannot drag the middle of my arena because it's about a foot deep. I don't know. It, it works for what I need it to work for, but it probably could have gone better. I could have done things smarter. I could have consulted with people on how to do it instead of just I feel like it is a highly it. talked about topic on all sorts of Facebook groups. Yeah, you always hear people talking about footing and complaining about footing and debating which footing is the best. And I'm just out there riding my... <laughs> horse on dirt and a little bit of sand <laughs> so i don't know it is, it is what it is you know horses love to humble you at the moment you just least yeah. expect it i know the other day actually i was pulling dory out of the indoor arena she likes to just sit in the because in- she doesn't like it when it's too mm-hmm. hot out or it's too rainy or anything like that and so she'll go in the indoor and just right. kind of chill in there and she chills with another baby horse because they get along. And so mm-hmm. I'm like trying to keep baby horse back, 
but she is just super friendly and just wants to come out and say hi and everything. And I'm trying to, like, fend off baby horse from getting out. And I'm trying to, like, let Dory out and pull Dory out of the stall, out of the indoor. And so I finally get Dory out, and mm-hmm. I've got her halter on her, thank goodness. And I just toss her in the stall so that way I can finally finish off, finish fending off baby horse and close the gate. I turn around from closing the gate, and I go to grab Dory, and Dory's not there. Dory is, like... <laughs> pretty fast i would say walking down the down the barn alley to the to the door which i you know i'm kind of surprised she was able to figure out it's not like a short hallway so she's off she's gone <laughs> so i like start to walk after her and you know she breaks into her cute hunter jog that you know she needs to knock off because she's like 15 <laughs> hands so like she's not really fooling anyone there she like gets out of the barn and luckily <laughs> she's starting to like go through the dry lots or whatever and so she ends up stopping and I like go to grab her and I turn around and like stalk back with her and everyone in the barn is just like watching. Um, she really humbled me there. Frankly, I think she got out there and she realized it was kind of hot, kind of buggy. And she was like, yeah, you know, not today. Joke's on her winter's coming. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine Dory being super keen on being out in the winter. So yeah, I think you'll just safe. go walk her out there for five minutes after it gets kind of cold. And she'll just be like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. She'll be like, I'm sorry, I'll never do that My again. horse was a bit of an asshole. Speaking of which, I've got a couple of scenarios I want to run past you from previous outings I've been to. Um, obviously horse-related. Okay. And I, I want to know if I'm the asshole or not. So the first <laughs> okay. one I noticed, for those of you that don't know, I would say Dory is maybe 50% white. You know what? No. Good. She's 75. So, She's she's pretty dang white. So I go to the wash stall every time. And now that I'm doing showmanship this year, like, I actually care. And so I, like, wash her okay. white, which is, like, her full body. And it's, like, under the saddle. But so her white hair is kind of, like, stained okay. a little bit. Just from, like, the saddle and all that. And oh, so, I, you know, okay, I go yeah. and I scrub and I scrub. And I'm, you know, in there for, like, 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes longer if it's, like, the first bath in a while. You know, 15 minutes or so, you know, day two of the show, trying to get it ready and stuff like that. And so my question is, how long is acceptable in a wash stall? You know, obviously it depends on the (laughs) facility where, you know, there could be 15 wash stalls, which is plenty, or there could be two or three. What is your thoughts on that? Well, again, my horse lives in the pasture 80% of the time. He goes... He, he likes to be out all the time. So honestly, I let him stay out all the time. And so when I go to shows, the first five minutes of the wash rack experience is just rinsing and just watching mud just come flying off this horse. So I sometimes have to stop and like clear the drain because it is so dirty. <laughs> so my opinion might not be the best to go off of, but I, I think... As long as you're under 45 minutes, you're not the asshole. (laughs) But, you know, Parker is mostly brown. So I'm really excited about this new horse experience and washing him and probably only just washing his legs, maybe. I don't know. So I'll I'll let you know if my opinion changes. You know, if they really wanted the wash doll, they could have gotten there before me. Yeah, they could have. And you all know the wash rack walk. People are kind of walking a little faster. They're maybe a little anxious. They're maybe just imagining the battle maybe their horse won't go in maybe they just know for the next 45 minutes they're just gonna be scrubbing dirt off their horse oh they're just gonna be having right. this and emotional battle with and their that's horse. going in so you you can tell rack. people there's a wash rack exit too where people are yeah. just they they look like they've been through battle 
They do. You know, they're walking, they've got their toe in one hand, the horses, you know, a couple feet behind them, not happy to be there. Neither one of them are smiling. (laughs) I think that's when the horses realize they're at a horse show. You know, like, Toby loves to get in the trailer, and we get there, he gets in his new stalls, like, fresh shavings, you know, food and water, and he's, like, pumped, he sees his friends. And then we go to the wash rack, and his demeanor totally changes. He's just you know, grumpy and maybe a little bit sad and just like, oh God, I have another weekend of hauling my ass around the pen. And then he just laughs because he knows he's going to roll as soon as he gets home. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you're um, not very smart like me and you're very new to the showmanship, you don't tie your horse up after you take him back after color. You just toss him in the stall, go to the office, handle whatever you need to handle. And then come back 45 minutes later when they're calling your class and find your horse laying down. And, of course, he's laying down in poop. He's, he wouldn't lay two inches And to so the for our listeners no who poop. don't know what color is, okay. let's just, it's a class that comes before showmanship where you walk around the arena and based on your color, you get graded. What is it, like 50-50? I think it's what, Payne and Pinot that do it? I think the goal is to have, at least for Tobiano, it's 50% white, 50% whatever color they are. Yeah, it's it's really just, everything is just the judge's opinion, but I really feel like they just pull names out of a hat for that class. It's Maybe so they gotta know Toby's name is Toby, know. the Tobiano for the Toby color class. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should just start that off. Like, hey, I am so dedicated to showing in the Tobiano color class, I named my horse Toby. Maybe that's what I've been missing all this time. I don't know, I like to go first in the Tobiano class, I don't know why. And sometimes I don't know how far down the arena to walk, and I don't know what speed to walk, and I don't know when I'm supposed to stop. And so I just lead the class on this adventure that no one really knows where it's going or how it's going to turn out. And sometimes the ring steward has to come stop me and bring me back I, to the group because people stop following. I think I was in that class where I've we followed you around. Before. Yeah, up in, up in Hinkley. You, uh, you were there. I was there. That was, that was not one No, of my but it was a memorable moments. moment. <laughs> Yeah, that. Uh, and then you would stop, scarring, and then you would walk a little bit, and then you it was just that repeated for like five minutes, and you've got you know fifteen horses behind you, <laughs> and you're you know doing that, and everyone's like, so are we supposed to? Or are we not supposed to? It just amplifies with that many horses, and we're all just mm-hmm. it's just collateral damage. And yet you still point, have the you know? guts to go in first for every color class after that. <laughs> I did like at the paint congress I did I don't remember if it was amateur color that was first or open color that was first but I went into both of them and I went in first for the amateur and clearly just messed up and so when I went in first for the open (laughs) the ring steward like walked with me the whole time it was like oh no start turning here oh slow down a little bit (laughs) yeah she was like let me just let me just hold the horse for you the nice thing about uh, that though you want to go sit down is the fact that it's not like you're messing anyone else up Stopping and starting is going to change the color of the horse. Going in first just defines that win for me. No one else beat me into the pen. I am the first one they're going to see and probably the last right. one on their And cars. you're memorable from there on out, and it's one of the first classes. Okay, so that brings me, going into the mm-hmm. arena, another question for you about am I the asshole or not. I'm on a roll since okay. you decided I wasn't the asshole previously. Okay, so this is, yeah, okay, I want to start hope. off with my, like, new motto. Bless the non-halter horse that lets mm-hmm. you take them into a halter class. 
can you imagine that? It'd be like your mother taking you to, I, like, what, like a bodybuilding competition or a bikini contest, and you've just been eating Cheetos for, you know, how long? Yeah. And that's pretty much what, what I do yeah. with Dory when I take her into Halter. We're over there next to Beefcakes and everything. But anyways, mm-hmm. so I go to... <laughs> halter and you know somehow we end up i think there were two horses in the class and we were second and so we get called back to do like the grand so there are gonna be like eight horses and they only call off the first two for that am i the asshole for Mm -hmm. not going back in to that class if i already know i'm not gonna place you know i won't place i won't be called is it my job to go in and you know be there as a presence to show you know this is a bigger class than what it is or do i not have to and i think you know you can also look at that kind of flip side is you know they're ready to call the placings out for a class and they bring people in after that you know say they bring I feel like I've seen it done at Col- mm-hmm. Color Breed Congress where you know they bring in 10 people or something or 15 people and they only call like the first 10 or whatever if I know mm-hmm. I'm not going to get called do I have to go back in is it my responsibility to be there in support of the other people or can I just not go in at all and not get humiliated I think Kind of. I think it's different in halter going back in for like a horsemanship class where you missed a lead or whatever. Because no one likes to be embarrassed. And like you know what you did wrong. So you know you're not placing. But I think if everyone else goes in, I think you have to go in and just take it like a woman, you know, and just, just be proud of, to be there. I think it also depends on how, how wrong did it go. You know, were there tears involved? Did the judge have to, like, get up out of their chair and scoot over or get a new cone? You know, I think if you did something to blatantly DQ yourself, you don't need to go back in. But if it was just a little error, I think you just It's It's like getting your money's worth, right? You pay X amount for this class. You know what? You're going to be in the arena as long as you can be in the arena for that class. Yeah, you want to be seen on the Jumbotron and, uh... Had the folks back home ask, why Why didn't you walk off the rail and go stand in the middle of the arena? Why? Okay, so I'm one for two. What do, you, do you have any good, do you have any scenarios? Oh, this, I don't know why this bugs me, but it does. I'm not the most tidy person. I will put that out there right now. I am looking at the room I'm sitting in and I'm like, but it bugs me at horse shows when people either don't tie up their hay or actually, the thing that bugs me the most is when people just like leave yes, their chairs. Yes, I want to talk about this. Alleyway. I like where and you're I going. And I think it's a safety hazard too. I'm on the board for one of these organizations that I show with quite frequently, and so like I'm usually running around, and they're like calling my name, like your class is going, and so I'm running, and there's always like chairs in my way, or it just drives me bonkers. I think it is so rude to leave your chairs out. I don't know. I feel like whenever I, like, when I show with a large group, we have, we do put stuff in the, like, in the hallway, right? You know, like, Mm -hmm. grooming totes and stuff like that, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. five horses getting ready for halter or something or showmanship in the morning, and so it's just chaos. But, you know, the second part and where I thought you were going was, you know, if I want to get from my stall to the arena, somewhere along the lines, I'm going to need to walk down an alley, I'm going to need to walk down between stalls and you know no matter how big it is there's always Mm going to be something in the aisle right whether or not it's people or horses or something like that and yeah you know is it rude like is it rude to walk down someone else's alley to get somewhere like it's it's unavoidable right no I totally agree I don't I don't think it's rude because I think you need to 
obviously and people give you dirty looks sometimes like what like what are you doing yeah so and i think that goes back to like barn culture and whatever but the thing that drives me nuts is people who cross who cross tie their horses in the alleyway to get them ready and then leave them there like i get you have to spray hooves whatever whatever it's like why does the horse need to stand there for half an hour and then they get so irritated when you walk by and it's like i'm i'm trying to get to the arena you know i don't why are you giving me dirty looks and I'm just trying to get through? Or when a horse is like naughty in the cross ties and it's just, oh, it drives me nuts when horses just yeah. get left there for like excessive periods of time. For sure. And especially if there's and only like there's a couple of alleys to pick from anyways. And the other one too that I think is really big. Exactly. Is like you've got barns just... obviously and they set up chairs and they cross their legs and all that stuff. And you know, so it's, I would say maybe like it might leave you two feet to get down like a clear passing way and i'm leading a horse a horse is what usually over 900 pounds i'm gonna just keep walking like it's an it's an alley it's made to be walked through and if it's i think Mm -hmm. it's your responsibility to move your feet i agree or they'll give you like a dirty look when they move their feet oh it drives me nuts or you have to say yeah and i like me to get being from like the midwest i know i definitely that that, like oh excuse me sorry (laughs) But, like, I don't mean it. Like, it's just, like, yeah, me trying yeah. to, like, <laughs> basically me saying, move before I run you over. Yeah. I just, like, we're all horse people. Like, if you're there, you're presumably a horse person. Or, have or at a least a common sense, you know. Whatever. Drives me nuts. Yeah. So, I think we're both on the same page there as to who the asshole is. Okay, folks. So, if uh, you are hearing my voice right now, don't be too sad because we are at the end of this week's episode. And... I think it was a good one. I think it was our first crack at having planned content. And would you believe that we actually somewhat stayed to that content? Uh, So hope you enjoyed hearing about our takes on kind of the pressure, the isolation of going to shows by yourself. And also maybe you took some notes for me on how to better my redneck arena. And maybe you have some thoughts on if we're the asshole or not. Either way, hit us up in the DMs. Let us know if you're liking what we're talking about. Let us know if you have any of your own experiences. Let us know. Next week, we'll have some fresh <laughs> content. We're going to be at Iowa Pino for their October show. So if you're there, feel free to swing by, say hi. Otherwise, we're going to have some fun content for you next time. Maybe we'll probably do something embarrassing there, too. Maybe we'll have some live footage of one of us adding flair to our patterns. You never know. Not unforeseeable. We should talk about how our fashion sense has changed through our horse experience and provide pictures. Because I don't know about you, but I had some very Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, we could touch on how our outfits... And fashion sense has changed over the years for sure. So stay tuned for episode three next week. As per usual, you can find us on Instagram at Let's Define Win. Other than that, keep whistling for yourself. Get it.